May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You can be seated. Are you good at waiting? (laughs) Not many of us are, but sometimes we wait uh, with joy and with anticipation. Last week, my in-laws came into town, so for my kids, that was grandma and grandpa coming to town with their little dog, Emma, their little white dog, Emma, which raises a lot of excitement in our house to see the dog. And then Aunt Rosie was there with, with cousin Grant. And so on that day, the kids kept asking, when are they going to be here? And as the time drew near, the little ones would go to the window to look out. Is that grandma here yet? So sometimes we do with anticipation, with excitement. A lot of times, though, we wait in fear, sometimes dread, waiting for the results back uh, from a medical test, for example. As a nation, there's been kind of an anxiety that has settled on us. We're almost afraid to turn on the TV to see what's happened next. How do we wait as God's people? Well, in this gospel reading from Luke chapter 2, we meet two folks, Simeon and Anna, of ripe old age. They've been waiting a long time. They've been waiting, as it says about Simeon, for the consolation of Israel. That's in verse 25. The consolation or the comfort or the strength. Or someone to help and come alongside them. That word there, consolation, is the same word that uh, we use to speak of the Holy Spirit as the comforter, uh, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside us and rescues and helps. So Simeon was one who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Anna, at the end of this passage in verse 38, speaks of the redemption, those who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So these two folks who are up in years, it implies that Simeon is towards the end of his life. And Anna has been, uh, is advanced in years and a widow for 84 years, perhaps. The text is kind of ambiguous on how to exactly translate that. But she's well advanced in years. So year after year, Decade after decade, they have been waiting for God's salvation to come. And now the wait is over when they see the Christ child. They see the Messiah. They teach us how to wait. They teach us what to do while we're waiting. The first thing I want to point out is that while they were waiting, they were waiting on the Lord. While they were waiting, they were going deep in the relationship with God. Uh, They encounter Jesus because the Holy Family has come into Jerusalem, into the temple, the very epicenter of Israel's religious heritage and the nation of Israel. They have come to uh, fulfill the law. Uh, When a firstborn son was born into a Jewish family, The family had to make an offering of redemption for the firstborn on the 40th day. And then also Mary was there for her own 
purification. So they were there to offer in the temple these offerings in accordance with the law. Accordance with the law. And Simeon and Anna had been waiting for this day. And while they were waiting, they were getting close to God. It says that Simeon was a man who was righteous and devout. Righteous meaning that he kept the law of God. He knew the word of God. He was devout. He was a man of prayer and of worship. So he's an exemplar of of Jewish piety. And then he was somebody who was led by the Holy Spirit of God. And this, of course, is a very prominent theme in Luke's writings here in Luke. And then, of course, volume two of Luke's writing, which is the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit leading his people is a prominent factor. And we see that in Simeon's life. He was led by the spirit. The spirit was upon him. Verse 25, the spirit revealed something to him. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then he was led by the spirit of the temple. He came into the temple through the leading of the Holy Spirit. The spirit was upon him. The spirit spoke to him. The spirit led him. He was a man who knew God, who had a heart for God. And God interacted with him. And spoke with him and filled him. And led him. So then we meet Anna, this woman of God. First, the man of God, now a woman of God. She has a heart for God. She's a widow. And after her husband died, she gave herself to the Lord. It says that she was in the temple praying and fasting. She was just kind of known as somebody. If you showed up to the temple, you're going to see Anna. She's there seeking the heart of God. And God spoke to her, too. She was a prophetess, it says. So these two people, ripe in old age, humble in position, but people who know their God. People who are intimate with God. People who spend time with God in His presence. And while they're in God's presence, God speaks to them His promises. And that is what gives them the strength. And we can have that kind of relationship with God too. If we pursue knowing God and seeking the heart of God in prayer, in worship, in fasting, in these very ways, we can have a close relationship with God, too, of course. Uh, If you go online, there's a website called I Am Second. I Am Second. And on this website, there are testimonies of what God has done in the lives of ordinary people and in the case of some celebrities, names that you would know. If you're ever wondering, is God still at work in the world? Go to that website and see what God is doing in the lives of of people. But there's one testimony in there that I thought of as I was preparing this message of of a newscaster. I guess he's a pretty prominent newscaster in the Chicago area. And his wife was diagnosed with cancer several years ago, and she actually did succumb to cancer. She died, passed away. But in the midst of that, she got close to God. And he said that he would wake up in the middle of the night and go down to his uh, kitchen maybe to get a drink, and there the living room light would be on, a lamp would be on in the living room, and there his wife would be sitting on the couch with the Bible open before her, and she's praying to God. And he said in the midst of her pain and in the midst of her suffering, she had this this peace and, and this hope and this strength that he didn't have because he didn't have a close relationship with God. But as she was 
waiting on the Lord, he gave her strength. And, and because of her example, this newscaster gave his life to Jesus Christ as well. I, I don't know about you, but when I read examples of people who have a heart for God and press in to know God, like Simeon and Anna and like this woman who was suffering from cancer, it, it in, inspires me, it encourages me, it in, in challenges me. And God invites us through these examples to know him in that way. Each and every one of us. So while we're waiting, we can wait on the Lord and we can gain strength from his presence. And I know many of you can testify to that as well in your life. And then while they were waiting, they held on to the promises of God. That was really the focus. God has given us promises in his word. In the Old Testament. In the prophets. And we are going to not despair. We're not going to give up on his promises. We're not going to become like the zealots and take up a sword and try to fight against the oppressors. We are going to the promises of God. And that's what they did. They made the promises of God their focus. And then God allowed them to see the promise come to fruition in their life, in this baby all of the promises that God had made in the Old Testament are funneled into this little baby. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, he's about, he's 40 days old, maybe 41 days old, being brought into the temple, just shy of six weeks. If you want a kind of a standard, you can look at, I don't know if little Sam's here, uh, if Josie has Samuel, but you can look at Samuel. He's eight weeks, so just take two weeks off of him. This little bundle. And all of God's promises are concentrated in him, the Christ child. Everybody else is walking past the Holy Family as they come up. But these two people are in tune with the Spirit of God. And God leads them and they see what God is doing. So aged Simeon takes the baby Jesus into his arms and he blesses God. And he sings this, this song, this prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. It's part of our liturgy, isn't it? It's called the Nunc Dimittis, which is Latin for now dismiss. Now dismiss your servant. Simeon says to God, now you can dismiss your servant, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Your salvation has, has come in this baby. How does God save us? How does God forgive us of sin? How does God assure us of his love? How does God free us from bondage? How can we overcome evil forces of darkness? How can we know joy? How can we have meaning? How can we have hope? How can we be assured of eternal life now and forever? It's all in this baby, this Christ, who will grow to be a perfect man and give his life sacrificially on the cross and God will raise him from the dead and then he'll fill the church with the Spirit and he'll promise to come again and that's what we're waiting for now in this Advent season. We're waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled when he comes again. And because he's been faithful to the promises in the past, we can cling to those promises now that Christ will come again to judge the living and the dead. All of God's promises are yes in Jesus Christ, the apostle says. 
in 2 Corinthians. All of God's promises are amen in Jesus Christ. It's in Him. And it's a salvation, Simeon says, that's prepared for all the people. He is going to be a light for revelation to the Gentiles, an uncovering of something that's been hidden. That's what that word means, revelation. The Gentiles are far from God. But through this baby Jesus, it's going to be revealed who God is. And it's going to be revealed how to have a relationship with God, even for the Gentiles. See, Simeon is steeped in the Old Testament prophecies, particularly Isaiah. The prophecies of the glory of God coming through Israel during the Messianic age, but it doesn't stay in Israel. It goes to all nations. It will be to the glory and the praise of God that he blesses all people through this child, through his Savior, through the Messiah. If you want to see the glory of God, keep looking to Jesus Christ. If you want to see what God is like, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the reference point. There was an Australian preacher who um, said that when he taught religion, I guess in Australia, we, I talked to a, a parishioner in the first service who was raised in Australia, and she said this is true, that in Australia, they have religion classes that students take during the public school hours. And this man happened to be a Christian, and he taught the religious studies class. And he said students would often ask him, have you ever seen God? And that was meant to be kind of a clever question because the, the answer they thought would always be, no, I've, I've never not seen him. Well, then how can you believe in God? But he had a clever response. He said, well, no, I, I, I haven't uh, seen God, but I could have seen God if I'd been on time. <laughs> I could have seen God if I'd have been in Palestine 2,000 years ago and seen Jesus and seen his miracles and heard him teach. Then I could have seen him. Jesus is the revelation of God. And the fulfillment of all his promises. So Anna and Simeon got to see him. During their time of waiting, they held on to God's promise. And then Simeon actually got to hold the promise. His faith became sight. And that's true for us too. One day our faith in Jesus will become sight. And we will see him as he is. So in this period of 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 waiting, we hang on to the promises of God and we trust in God's promises. And the alternative to that, the major alternative in our day to trusting in God is trusting in what? Ourselves. Our political leadership. Somebody else to come up with a solution. There's a song that sometimes I, I run to. It's on my iPod and it's in my playlist and, and I like the beat, but I don't agree with the lyrics. It's kind of one of those things. Helps me to exercise, but... I don't agree with all the lyrics in, in one part of the song. It's called Waiting on the World to Change by John Mayer. And he talks about the condition of the world. It's full of violence and bloodshed and injustice. And we're waiting on the world to change. And I, I can nod along with that. Yes, there's this longing. We all have it to see something else happen, to see justice restored and peace and order. Waiting on the world to change. But then the chorus says, um, one day our generation is going to rule the population. But in the meantime, I keep waiting on the world to change. In other words, once the young people take over, things will be better. Our generation to rule the population. Well, I thought that's ironic because the very people who are ruling the world now sang that song in the 1960s. Is that right? You guys are products of the 1960s. Let's wait 
until the old fogies are out of the scene, and then we'll figure out, well, you know, we know what to do. What's the line from Immanuel Kant? Out of the crooked timber of humanity, no straight thing was ever made. We do our best, but our hope is in God. Our hope is in this gospel. The transformation that can happen through an encounter with Christ in people's minds and people's hearts. And then our ultimate hope is when the Lord appears again and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we wait and we get to know God and we trust in his promise. And then we become like Anna and Simeon. Simeon was filled with peace. See, when you know God and you trust his promises and you and you and you cling to him, peace does come into your life. Isn't this a good way to go out of the world here? I've done my job, Lord. I've done my duty. I've watched for you. Now I can depart in peace. I've done what you've called me to do. Now let me depart in peace. And then Anna joyfully praises God and speaks and becomes a witness. Redemption is here. This is what we're called to do. God wants our hearts to be filled, not with anxiety. Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to the Lord. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your mind and heart. At the gate of your mind and heart, God will set a guard and give you the peace that passes all understanding. So this is what we're called to do. I just love that this week um, some of the people from this church went to Highcroft Elementary School after hours and, uh, and presented the gospel story and told the story of Christmas in a public school and sang Christmas songs about Jesus. This is in a school that my kids go to and during school hours you can't say the word Christmas and you can't have a Christmas decoration. But they allowed them to go in after hours. It was voluntary. And a dozen of kids or so came and they heard the message of Christ and Christmas. I love that. Because I told the, the person who is the leader of this, the pastor who was in charge of this named Carl, before we, we did that, I said, you know, this, is, this feels like a brave thing to do right now. To go into a public space and declare that Jesus is the hope of the world. It feels like a brave thing to do. And he said, well, what's the alternative? That we hide in a cave? I said, no, you're exactly right. We have a hope. We have a promise. We know our Lord. We can be like Anna who went out and said, redemption is here. And that's what we're called to do. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love you and we praise you for sending the hope of the nations to us 2,000, over 2,000 years ago in this baby. What a way to save the world. What a way to come and reveal your love and truth. Fill us this Advent season as we wait for the second coming, for the redemption of all things and the consummation of all things. Fill us with your love and draw us closer to you. And Help us to be people who are devoted to your word and to prayer and to being witnesses of your goodness and your love and your salvation. I pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people say, Amen. Amen.